Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Paul Fariga. Paul's career uh, in one word is storytelling. His passion led him to start Word Right. His book, Finding Your Capital S Story, builds on WordWrite's trademarked process, Story Crafting. Your capital S story explains why someone should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you. Before WordWrite, Paul was a vice president at Ketchum Public Relations and a journalist covering everything from murders to the White House. Thanks so much for being here with me today, Paul. Diane, thanks so much for having me and great to be with your audience as well. Excellent. Well, I am thrilled to have you here. I would love it if you would share with the listeners why business leaders should care about storytelling. Well, that's a great question, Diane. It's because storytelling is in our biology. In the last 30 years, scientists have had access to tools like functional MRIs and other scanning devices that prove positively that story works in our brain to help us process information. Diane, I've not met somebody in the last 10 years who thinks that we are experiencing too little information in our daily lives. We're swimming in digital clutter. Our brains, which were developed tens of thousands of years ago, were designed to process information even way back then in the form of narrative, storytelling. It's never been more important to be a good storyteller and to share your capital S story than today. How else are we going to stand out as business leaders from that sea of information that's washing over us every moment of every day? Yeah, I, I so get that. And I am curious about what makes certain kinds of stories more important than others? Well, in the book and in our process, what we describe is as the capital S story is the, is the one that, as you said a few minutes ago, answers these fundamental questions. Why somebody should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, and partner with you. You know, as you pointed out, I'm a former journalist. And in the old days, we used to say, today's news story is tomorrow's birdcage liner. That was back in the days, of course, when, you know, people actually read newspapers. <laughs> now maybe they do, but they read them online. So what I say these days is all the stories that fly by on your social media, I mean, really think about it for all of your listeners. Can you really remember all the stories that you saw on social media yesterday? No, we can't because those are small S stories. They're here today and gone tomorrow. What's different about the capital S story is it defines the true character and nature of your organization. That's why it stands above all the rest. 
and what we've learned in two decades of working with clients to help them better share their stories is that that story should be powering all of your marketing, all of your sales, all of your communications. I see. So what are the elements of a successful business story? They have to start with three things, Diane. Number one, the story has to be authentic, which means rooted in truth. If you were and I were in person today, rather than uh, visiting with each other uh, through the podcast, you know, we might cross an intersection. If you got across the intersection and I didn't, and we saw an auto accident in the middle of the intersection, we saw the same thing, but we saw something different because we were standing in different places. So authenticity, being rooted in truth in a business context means it's perfectly fine if you look at your marketplace or your customers or your solution slightly differently than your competitors do. It just needs to be rooted in truth, just like my auto accident example. And the second thing is, we found in our work that you really need to have a fluent storyteller who can share your story. And in business, a lot of times what happens is People look around the table or the conference room or today, the Zoom screen, and they say, ah, the CEO, let's put the CEO out there. But you know what, Diane, that's not always the right person who should be sharing your organization's story. If you're a healthcare organization, maybe the audiences you most want to reach want to hear from the caregivers. Maybe they want to see or hear or experience your story from their perspective rather than the hospital CEO's perspective, valid as it might be. And then third, and this is critically important, because we live in a world today, Diane, where we just seem to be talking over each other and not listening. you got to engage your audience. And, and one of the beauties of digital communication is that it's two-way. It's a conversation. So we all have the opportunity as business leaders to see how our audiences are reacting to the story we share. And when we do that, we need to be evolving our story in the way we share it, not in who we are and what we are, but in how we share it so that we keep the audiences most important to us continually engaged. Okay, I wanna go back to number two. Sure. Okay, because I, I completely get the, the example that you gave about, you know, the healthcare company, but I, I guess what I'm struggling with is I would imagine that companies have a difficult time letting someone who is not the CEO or the owner write the story and share the story. Is that, that's you find a, that to be true? Or yes. Not? Yes. We do find that to be true. And Far too often, it's to the organization's detriment. Yeah. Now, there's a, a, a few truths here <laughs> that probably will help with our, our conversation thread here. Number one, uh, it's rare that an organization has only one storyteller, right? Yeah. So there's times when the CEO is the right person to be carrying the message. And there's times when maybe, maybe it shouldn't be the CEO. I think that, that's really the point. The other point you made, writing and sharing are two separate parts of the discipline, right? Wow. So should the CEO be involved in creating the story? Of course. Uh, 
every CEO I've ever met is on the hook to deliver results. How are they going to be able to deliver results if they're not able to shape the process uh, that's designed to deliver the results and certainly sharing the story as part of that? Okay, that's so great because that was going to be my other question. Oh, sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Can you um, give us some examples of companies or brands that you think do a great job of storytelling? Yeah, I can give you three. Okay. Uh, certainly Apple. And Apple historically uh, went through many different chapters, let's say, uh, of storytelling. And Steve Jobs in particular was a great example of a fluent storyteller, but he wasn't always a fluent storyteller. In fact, he was kind of ridden out of the company when he was an arrogant young punk. And the company suffered for it, in my opinion. He learned a lot. And when he came back to Apple in the late 1990s, he was a different person and a different kind of a storyteller. Why, why it's important to think about him in that context is this. Great storytellers certainly have some native ability, but in business, you can learn to be a much better storyteller. And certainly Steve Jobs did to the point of becoming pretty much a cult personality. Uh, it was hard to think of Apple when he was running the company without thinking of him, right? Two other great examples, and I use these examples. You know, at our firm, Diane, we work primarily with B2B companies that are in the business of providing complex services. But I use these examples because everybody knows them. Another great example is Nike. And Nike makes shoes, they make athletic apparel. The Nike brand is far more than the swoosh. To know the story of Nike is to know that the real story of Nike is empowering great athletes to achieve superior performance, their absolute best, and enabling those of us who might be weekend warriors to achieve our best as, as well, whether it just might be power walking <laughs> with the dog or something uh, like that. They literally live the storytelling concept. Employee number four at Nike is a guy named Nelson Ferris, who for decades held the, the title of chief storyteller. And it was his job when new employees came to Nike to share that culture, the story of how Nike was founded, et cetera, et cetera, with them, right? So that they understood that Nike was more than the swoosh, more than the brand. It was a company with a mission and a purpose. And then the third example I would give is Southwest Airlines. And there are many, many elements facets, if you will, of the Southwest story that demonstrate what great storytellers uh, they are. As a publicly traded company, the stock symbol for Southwest is one example, is LUV. Diane, most people have no idea why out of everything they could have picked for their stock symbol, they picked something that seemingly has nothing to do with the name and the company. Do you know why they picked LUV for their stock symbol? Is it because their primary hub is Love Field? Well, it used to be. They, they, the, the reason is love, but the reason is love because in the early years of the airline, two competitors who no longer exist, coincidentally, Braniff and Continental Airlines, actually went to Congress and got a law passed that said that any airline that was flying only within the boundaries of a state, and that was the case with Southwest at its founding, they only flew in Texas, had to fly from what was known as secondary airports. And Love Field 
had just been replaced by Dallas-Fort Worth International. So essentially, the competitors of Southwest tried to kill it by forcing it to fly out of the bad old airport rather than the new airport. What did Southwest do? They embraced that and they made it part of their story. It's their stock symbol. In the early years of the, of the airline, you did not get cocktails on Southwest, Diane. You got love potions. And you did not get peanuts, you got love nuts. And I could give you a lot more examples from Southwest, but those are examples of companies that really live their story and have baked it into their culture. Those are really great examples. And the, what I really found interesting about the Nike one is that, um, you know, having the chief storyteller, when you were describing that, my mind instantly went to when man first existed and, you know, we, we used to, I don't think we are so much anymore, but we used to, you know, humankind used to have like the patriarch or someone in the tribe who was responsible for passing down the lore. And that, that's what I thought about when you were describing that. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Diane, because I've done some research on this. And one of the more entertaining um, research studies that I've discovered over the years related to the um, romantic success of storytellers in primitive cultures. Because it turns out, if you're the storyteller in a society and you get to tell all the great stories, you're rather attractive, even if by other measures, physically or whatever, you may not be. And you know the storyteller job has existed in cultures uh, across the globe when they didn't even have a written language. The concept of the talking stick, which has been adopted in many cultures, one meaning, one definition, one use of the talking stick was that the storyteller in a particular society or culture, that was handed down from storyteller to storyteller. And it was when it was time to plant or time to harvest or time to unite the community because of a threat, that story was carved into the talking stick. And that was the storyteller's guide to bring the community together and mobilize them. Wow. I, I did not know that. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's way cool. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast and now available on YouTube. So 
if I'm hearing all your all this correctly, story you don't think storytelling is like a marketing fad? No. Uh, in fact, I have a chapter uh, in my book uh, where I talk about beware the storytelling charlatans, and uh, as with any good thing, Diane, and and storytelling is it's kind of like breathing. It's been around since the very beginning of society. Uh, it's the original communications medium, no batteries required, right? Can you imagine uh, the, the person who invented fire <laughs> explaining it to uh, the first person to do it? You know, there was probably a bit of a story there, right? <laughs> if you want to eat this delicious meal that's, that's warm instead of cold, here's the steps you need to take. <laughs> In the marketing industry, sadly, like any other industry, people will adopt things as a fad. And certainly there are a lot of people out there who are making storytelling a fad. Honestly, if they thought toxic waste would sell more stuff for them, they would do a search and replace on their website and replace the word storytelling with toxic waste. So you just you got to watch out for those people. Uh, the definition of storytelling, uh, I mean, there are many meanings of it. We have a very specific definition of it, and that's why we came up with this concept of the capital S story. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. I um, think that is one of the biggest challenges that small business owners have is really finding the right sort of, you know, marketing agency, SEO, whatever it is, that really understands how to help them uh, yeah. tell their story, you know, get, get that out. Yeah, I totally agree, Diane. And it's, uh, it's, it's something that, that we see every day. And it's, it's led us at our firm, uh, you know, every business has its little mantras and sayings. And uh, among ours, directly in response to what you're describing is this one. You shouldn't spend a single dollar on your marketing unless you know what it's going to get for you. And unfortunately, too often, too many uh, folks who are in the uh, marketing agency business, they don't really know. They would just be very happy if you would spend your money with them. Right. right. So they make it sound good. But that they, leads they, me to a question about how do you measure storytelling success? Well, that's a great question. And it's critical. Number one is the, the third leg of that stool, if you will. We talked about authenticity, affluent storyteller, and audience engagement. So again, we live in a digital world, and pretty much everything that we do these days has a digital component. And certainly post-COVID, for better or worse, so much more is delivered digitally. Well, you can measure pretty much everything, and you should. Now, the mistake that a lot of companies make before they invest in sharing their story is they don't benchmark where they're at before they start doing things. Unfortunately, many folks who start entrepreneurial organizations uh, sometimes find themselves, you know, like ready to jump in the car and drive to California without checking how much gas they have or checking a map, right? And, and we need to restrain that impulse in ourselves when it comes to marketing. I don't know, Diane, maybe it's because marketing is kind of ephemeral. It's not a product that you can see or touch or smell, that sometimes we forget those steps. But you really got to start there. You got to say, okay, how, how am I getting my customers now? Where are they finding me? What's my, my best 
avenue for success in terms of turning up leads and prospects. Well, who's my high value customer or my ideal client prospect? And where do I find them? And you know, these are all things that we work on when we do our story crafting process with a client. Because if we don't know where we are, how are we gonna know when we get where we wanna go? I actually think that that's, that's pretty liberating for a business owner to hear because that's been part of the problem is that it feels like it's, you know, trying to nail jello to the wall. Yes. Right. But that can something, yeah, a little more specific. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the, the Mad Men era, and I have this in the, in the book too, uh, you know, classical advertising, which has consumed most of the marketing attention over the decades has uh, frankly misled most business leaders, entrepreneurs, and given them a lot of false impressions about what marketing looks like and how to define success. So as an example, there is no science or biology that proves that 30 second commercials are the optimum length of message for anybody to consume any form of information. Why do we have 30 second commercials or even now 15 second commercials or 60s or 90s? Because a week is 168 hours. And when you're trying to monetize a TV station or network or radio station or network, you chunk those 168 hours up into little segments. And those are the smallest tolerable segments that they can chunk them up into. That doesn't have anything to do with getting results for people. It has everything to do with the tail wagging the dog. Wow, I that uh, yeah doesn't surprise me, but I I did not realize. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, and and, and you know, our firm's based in Pittsburgh, uh, Diane. The original commercial radio station in the entire world is KDKA FM, which is excuse me AM, which is still on the air. And in the beginning, when they had commercials, they would go on forever. They were just really? yeah, what they call live reads. So they'd have a script and the person would just go on for however long they thought they should go on. <laughs> a lot of podcast hosts do that too when they have sponsors. <laughs> so true. Wow. That, that, huh. That's so, but, but so I guess a question I have for you is it feels like we're going back to that. Like I've noticed a lot of commercials yes. are getting longer. We are. We are. And one of the main reasons for that, I would argue, is because that allows for better storytelling. Again, what kind of a story can you tell in 30 seconds? Yeah, right. right. Now, I, I know a lot of people think that social media isn't great for storytelling because of that, but I, I would tend to disagree. And, and I have a, a chapter in the book on that that uh, basically says storytelling and social media were made for each other. And, and so you can think about certain mediums uh, like YouTube where, okay, fine, Paul, you know, if you want to do a three-minute video, what a great place to put it, YouTube, right? And you can do all sorts of things to, to attract people to your video, but it works equally well for TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter used to be 140 characters, now it's 280. And more interestingly than that, Diane, the, the concept of storytelling and threads has, has really grown a great deal. I have a great story in the book about a scientist. Um, actually, his expertise is in the environment, but he couldn't sleep one night. Uh, young fella, he's in his 30s, 
And um, so he got on Twitter and sort of like, I mean, he's a scientist. He likes foxes. So he started doing a tweet uh, on, you know, his favorite 50 foxes with pictures and just kind of sleepless, uh, irreverent descriptions of all the foxes. Oh, my God, the whole thing went viral. I mean, he did, you know, dozens of these little tweets with pictures of the foxes and, you know, news stories were done about it. Millions of people saw it. So as long as the story is great, the medium is kind of secondary. And I think that's something important for all of us to recognize, because for some of your listeners, TikTok, Instagram, those might be great ways for them to share their stories. And it can be done. It absolutely can. It has to start with a great story. Okay, so I'm imagining that a good number of people who are listening have not considered this and, and are, don't consider themselves storytellers. So what is your best advice for the novice storyteller? What I would do is reconnect with the passion that causes you to do what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to suspect, Diane, that if you're listening to this podcast episode right now, if you're a regular listener of your podcast, you're probably the kind of business leader or entrepreneur who has that spark, who has that passion, who wants to get better at doing the things that will make their business a success. Storytelling is no different than that. And when I say reconnecting with the passion, what I'm talking about is thinking about whatever led you in the beginning to say, you know what, I'm going to start this company, or I'm going to join this company and lead it, or I'm going to take that job and lead this organization when it's offered to me. When I, I, I wind up with this role, I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to embrace it with passion because fill in the blank. What's that fill in the blank? Simon Sinek is one of my favorite authors. His first book, Start With Why. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Why, as a business leader, do you do what you do? Even if you don't think you're Garrison Keeler or some other famous storyteller, if you're successful in business to any degree, you've had to tell stories and there's passion in there. Connect with that, start there. And then share it everywhere, anywhere? Yes, absolutely. One of the things about your capital S story, I often compare it to family dynamics, Diane. So I'm one of four kids, I'm the oldest. All of us have either been children or we have children. Uh, maybe some of us have grandchildren. The point is this, if the four of us kids were in a room and somebody, no names, broke a lamp, and mom and dad were in the other room and they had to come in and share a story. For me, who might've been 12 at the time and my youngest sister, Sharon, who was six, the story had to be the same. They might've used different words to get the points across. Now, I'm not suggesting to your listeners to infantilize any of their audiences. The point is this, your capital S story is like a great diamond and it has different facets. So you tell the same story, that same diamond, but the different audiences, your employees, your customers, your partners, they are most interested in a different 
facet of the gem called your business than some of the other audiences. So it's just a matter of adapting how you share that story to highlight what that audience is most interested in. And, you know, in fact, I always say capitalist story, it's about who's going to buy from you, work for you, invest in you, partner with you, you know, buy is over the course of time, the thing that most people have been interested in, Diane, and talking to us, but great resignation time, that answering the work question, we find it's becoming more and more important because especially for small businesses and entrepreneurs, there's undoubtedly some organization that's going to be able to offer your talented employees more money than you can. But what if your story is so compelling that that money is not going to pry them out of your organization? Something to think about. Well, for sure. And I, and I think especially with this um, younger generation who really wants to feel like they're part of something uh it, it's really critical for the businesses to be able to share what that something is yeah i i totally agree and, and, and you know simon sinek has a new uh, book out relatively new in the last year year and a half it's called the infinite game it's a great book in that book he talks about a new concept that's related to his concept of why it's called a just cause company. And I think, Diane, what you just said really ties into that because a significant segment, maybe even a majority these days, if you look at some of the opinion polls and research that have been done, would really rather work for a company that has a purpose bigger than just making money. Right. So it's worthwhile for, for business leaders for us to ask, what's our just cause? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. I've been thinking a lot lately about how leaders are really stewards. Yes. Right. And, and yes. they should look at it that way because it can change the way they approach how they communicate and how they deal with their employees or their players or, you know, whoever it is that they're leading. Absolutely. And there's a lot of research to back that up. And as you pointed out, um, and I'm, maybe your listeners know this, I, I don't know. It was a little surprising to me because uh, I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> but the millennial generation in the States and globally is actually the largest generation ever. Yeah, I was surprised by that too because I thought yeah. the boomers were. Yeah, and, and you know what that means for us, Diane, is that just by osmosis, presence in the workplace, the way they feel about things, as you pointed out, it's going to drive change. Yes. So if, you know, X percent of the biggest generation ever feel that they need to work for these kinds of companies and they want to know the story and they want to know what the cause and purpose are, it's going to be a per prevailing sort of a thing that we're going to need to deal with. Yep, exactly. Which is just another reason why your S story is so critically important. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the business leaders we've worked with recently, you know, it's about re retaining talent and also attracting that talent, right? Yep. yep, exactly right. I know they have to change the way they think about things. 
So this yes. is timely. It's very timely. And, and Paul, I so appreciate this information. I think this is so, um, the word that keeps coming to my mind is exciting. I mean, I think this is such a great opportunity for so many businesses, first of all, to identify what their story is. Yes. And reinvigorate themselves and then be able to really share it effectively. So thank you so much for joining me and sharing this. Well, thank you, Diane. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure to be with you and to be with your audience. I'm so glad. And will you please share with them, you know, how they can find you, how they can get your book and anything you think they should know, please? Well, thank you for that. So for the folks who are listening, I'm going to give you two URLs. The first is www.capitalsstory.com. And the second is wordrightpr.com forward slash storycrafting. So www.capitalsstory.com or wordrightpr.com forward slash storycrafting. And Diane, what your listeners will find there is the opportunity to download a sample chapter of the book to learn more about our company and what we do, and also a direct link to Amazon where if they're so inclined, they can purchase the book. That's great. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Well, thank you. Wonderful. Well, once again, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. So I'm confident the listeners did as well. So thanks, Paul. Well, thank you, Diane. Great to be with you and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be in front of the folks who listen to you on a regular basis. Absolutely. And speaking of those folks, I'd like to thank all of you. You're who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.